1 Corinthians, and, and uh, we're going to go through several scriptures. Is that okay? I want to share a little bit about, uh, a little, uh, get a little understanding of, of the words that change everything that we're focusing on. I want to hear a story about it, and I want to give some specific application to it. We're on this series, Words That Change Everything, and tonight I want to talk to you about words of love. Everybody say, words of love. Words of love. This might be one of the most life-changing messages for some of you that you've heard out of this series so far. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is what? It's love. The greatest of these. Faith is important. Hope is important. And it's it's always going to stay with us. But the greatest of these is love. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 It says, there is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. There are those who speak words that just can tear you apart, but the tongue of the wise brings life. And that scripture there addresses not only what we say, but how we say it, right? In the message version, it says, rash language cuts and maims, but there is healing in the words of the wise. So the words that we speak have the ability to, to transform people's, uh, their heart, their life. It, it changes the way they, they see themselves, their experience, and so forth. Have you ever seen one of those carvings that people do in trees? Like, um, like I think we have a picture. Did we get a picture of that? You ever see one of these here? That's kind of blurry up there, but that's a wood carving. How do they do that? Guy gets a chainsaw and he just starts to work it, work it, work it from different angles and take his time. This chainsaw, you know, you take a tree stump. By my house, there is a tree that that somebody, I wish I would have taken the picture, someone carved just recently, like the past month, carved two hands that look like they're praying. Like this huge, huge, like like taller than me from from the ground there. I'm glad they did hands like that and not like some other symbol with the hands. I'm like, they're probably Christians. Who knows what would happen if they're not? Um, And I think that's so cool. And what's really interesting is that that chainsaw has the ability to just uh, cut away, chop away, and make some beautiful work of art, some pretty amazing work of art. But that same chainsaw can just wreak tremendous havoc. I mean, uh, cut that thing down, cut it all to pieces. And our tongues are like that, huh? With our tongue, we could take something, maybe a stump that you look at and you think, what value is there in this? What value is there in that person, right? And just you speak some words, you speak words of love, you start to address it from different angles, a little bit here, a little bit there. And after a while, you shape that person and their situation into something beautiful. Or you can take that same tongue, you know, wag that thing around. And speak words that just tear somebody apart. How many of you guys would rather somebody speak words of life and love to you, right? Think about that uh, when you're speaking. What takes longer to do? Making something beautiful or destroying it? It takes longer to make it beautiful, right? I mean, anybody can get in there and cut something down with a chainsaw. Even I can do that. Even I can cut something apart. But to really get in there and shape it like that image we saw, that, that takes somebody who, who uh, can see it on the inside, first of all. 
And by the way, your words, when you speak about people, oftentimes, well, all the time it comes from inside, but how you see them, how you see them, and it begins to shape them. Words have produced the most beautiful marriages. Words have ruined some of the most beautiful marriages. Words have kept beautiful marriages from happening. Words. Words have caused children to do their best in school, and have Words have caused others to drop out. Words have caused people to commit suicide. And words have stopped people from taking their own life. Words have brought about the best partnerships. And words have brought dissolution to some of the best teams. Rash language cuts and maims, but there is healing in the words of the wise. Um. You ever hear that saying, hurt people, hurt people, right? Or hurting people, hurt people. Why are they hurting? And why do they lash out? Typically, words against them. And then that's how they see themselves and feel. That's why it's so important to know that whenever somebody's acting in a certain way, there's something behind that. And as God's people, we need to back up a little bit to get a good sense of what's going on in their life, what brought them to this point before I make a judgment and react in like manner. Because you remember, you've got God. They may or may not, they may, and they might have forgotten, they may not realize that God can address this area in their life as well. But you have the ability to back up just a little bit and partner with the Lord and to turn a situation around by speaking words, speaking the right words, words of love, words of love, kindness, reassurance. It's how strong families are built, isn't it? You'll never see a strong family when everyone's tearing each other apart. Even when you let the uh, criticism creep, the bickering. I come from a family that, that we would bicker back and forth. Drove my wife crazy. She found out why I would do that early on in our marriage when she met my mom and I. Not, I'm not saying it was my mom saying when she saw us get together because <laughs> we would go back and forth. Bicker. Wasn't a strong family. Wasn't a strong family. A family that loves each other can still speak words that lack love, can't they? They really can. So speaking words of love, it's a choice. Now, it's, there's an interesting connection between God's love and his word. Okay, 1 John 4, 8, write this down. It says that this. It says, God is love. So in his very nature, his very character, the qualities of who God is, he is love. And in John 3, 16, you guys probably have it memorized, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life, right? So God is love. It's in his very nature and character. And, and he, he loves so much that he gave his one and only son, and then there's this other verse that says, in the beginning was the Word, First, uh, in John chapter 1, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then verse 14 says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So God, who is love, demonstrated His love by sending what? His Son. But who is His Son? The Son is His Word. And and the Greek word right there for the word word is logos. And it means the full expression, 
It's this, it's, it's, it's if, if uh, God was to express his heart to you, this is how he would do it. If you want to know what God has to say to you, look at the life of Jesus. That's what he's saying. What's on God's mind towards you? Look at what Jesus has done. Because the life of Jesus and everything he said and did, that right there is what God had to say. And so we know that God is love. Jesus comes in the fullness of love. And he's speaking this. I mean, his very life speaks love to us. If you want to know what God has to say to you, look at Jesus. It's love. Words of love. And what did Jesus come to accomplish in our life? Redemption, restoration, salvation, healing, wholeness, provision, security, peace, grace, kindness, mercy, forgiveness, all of those things. What is that? How would you sum all of that up? Love. It's love. And so this is what God speaks towards you. Some people need to get that not just as a message tonight, but as revelation from the heart of God. That allow God's love to be spoken over you right now. And even when I say in the name of Jesus, receive his love. Now that's more than just a message or preacher talk, but there's something that God is wanting to impart to us tonight. How many of you say, I receive your love? I receive your love. Now, Let's go on with this thought, because in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, it says, as his divine power, everybody say divine power. divine power, it's important, has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great, that word exceedingly, it's megastas, megas mega, super exceedingly a lot, right? (laughs) Exceedingly great and precious promises. You might want to even underline promises. That through these, you may be partakers of the what? The divine nature. Wait a minute. The Bible just said that by his divine power, he gave us promises that we can be a partaker of the divine nature. The divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. What's the primary promise of God? If you were to really read through the Bible and you see the Bible is full of promises. God has said so many things about you, it's overwhelming. To, to imagine how many things God says, hey, this is for you and, and I want to do this in your life. But, but the primary promise, the biggest promise, I think that you'll find Jesus referencing and, and you'll see it show up in several times. Uh, Acts 1.8 says, says uh, wait in Jerusalem till you receive the, uh, that's not what he says. That's part of it. Before that, he said, <laughs> I want to get to that one uh, in just a moment. He said, you've got to wait until you receive the promise of the Father. And then he said this about the Holy Spirit. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 14, it says that, I didn't write this one down. You can turn there in your Bible with me. You do turn in Bibles, right? 
Galatians chapter 3, verse 14, it says the, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. When it, the biggest promise you know, that the Bible is pointing to, Jesus is pointing to, one of the primary promises that, that he has for you is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, and Jesus said, and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, we know that has to do with the power and the gifts of God and how he shows up. But the Bible just here, we just read in 2 Peter, says that by his divine power, you've received these promises by which you're a partaker of the divine nature, the divine nature of God. So what he, he's given us this idea here that when you res, come into faith with God and you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive his divine power. This is his promise to you. And with the Holy Spirit, you don't just simply receive power to really do great things for God, but you also become a partaker, a participant, a partner with the very divine nature of God. And what is the very, if you, you know, to sum up the nature of God, how would you sum it up? Love. And so what God is trying to communicate, that it's not just God who is love, but he said, I put my spirit on the inside of you so that as you receive the promise, you participate, it changes your nature so that the nature of God is on the inside of you. And if the nature of God is on the inside of us, what should come out of us? Love, right? Because what came out of God? Love. And so when we talk about the words we speak, there's not a separation that I would have love on the inside, but speak hate. Because the book of James says, whoa, that shouldn't be that way. You don't get salt water and fresh water from the same stream. You don't speak words of blessing and cursing from the same mouth. And so all of that to say is you who have received the Holy Spirit of God, have received the promise of God, the power of God. And you've also entered into this partnership where you are participating with the nature of God, the love of God. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14, we would know this, that that, that whole section tells about the power of the Holy Spirit talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and manifestations. But look in your Bible with me to chapter 13. Because chapter 13 is a, ver- a chapter that we hear oftentimes. I say it all the time when I do weddings. But you know, this scripture is not talking about weddings. This scripture is talking about the manifestation or the, the way that the Holy Spirit makes himself known. So really, this scripture is talking about the application of the gifts. Chapter 13 focuses on the nature, not the power specifically, because around that it talks about these gifts that are the, uh, reveal the power of the Holy Spirit. But chapter 13 talks about the nature, the divine nature, or the way that the Holy Spirit works through us. And so in verse 1, I'm going to read a good chunk of this. One through eight. He says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, 
but have not love, I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Any parent who's ever had kids take drum lessons know what he's referring to. And though I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have faith so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Now look at the nature of God revealed right here. Look at the nature that you're a partaker of. Look at what's on the inside of you. Look at what should flow out of you in words. Verse 4, love. In fact, can we read these next verses? 4 through 7, and then we'll read the first part of 8. Let's read these out loud. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Let's stop there. Love never fails. If you want to think about your words, just go right back to this verse right here. And don't simply look at this scripture as, oh, love between me and my spouse or the love of God. Well, that's you it's talking about right there. And he's talking about how you minister to others. How you, if we don't want to use that word minister, because, you know, what about at work? Do I minister? Okay, let's not use that word how you talk to others, how you serve others, how you relate to others. And when we read those scriptures, doesn't it make us kind of thinking, think like, okay, God, I got to say sorry about some stuff to you right now, right? Because there's been some times that I have not suffered long. I've suffered with that person long enough, but really I don't think I've been patient or suffering long, maybe behaving rudely. Have you ever had words that are rude come out of your mouth? Come on now, guilty as charged. Have you ever spoken words that are not kind? What about this, words of envy or that parade or puff yourself up, right? Come on now, if you, if you don't know, ask, ask the person sitting next to you. Have you ever spoken words that rejoice in others' downfall? No, not, maybe not your family member. What about your political opponent? Come on now. Run to the altar right now, some people. I'll tell you what, the church, the church, guilty right there. Come on now. Jesus loves his church, and he forgives and ministers. Uh, have you ever stopped believing, stopped hoping with your words? Have you ever given up with your words or told somebody else to throw in the towel with your words? That's some of the stuff he's ministering right there, but it's, that's the very nature of God. And, and when you, in turn, uh, find out, okay, this isn't just something I need to live up to. You don't have to live up to that, by the way, because you live it out. It's in you. You don't have to live up to it. It's not a standard. The Bible is not your standard to live up to. You will not live up to it. You live it out. You live it out. Be free. <laughs> Stop trying to live up to the standard that you can't. 
Allow the standard that God said, I'm going to write my law in their minds and in their hearts. Allow that to be lived out. Allow that to be lived out. And that'll raise the bar in your own life too, because the pressure won't be on you to perform. The pressure is on God, do this work in my life. Use me. Amen? That's the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You are a partaker right now of the divine nature. That's such a good word right there. That's so good. Now, as we talk about this and the impact of love and grace flowing through someone's life, I want to invite my wife up, who is the epitome of this, by the way. Uh, right, babe? And, uh, but you've experienced this. And I, I, as I'm preparing for this message, I thought, I know somebody who is a direct recipient of someone else other than me speaking words of love that transformed your life and ultimately affected us and our, our whole family. So I asked, I asked her, I said, hey, will you come and share about uh, the grace that was imparted to you? So share it. I will. Can I stand over here? What did you say? Would you, can I stand you, over you here? You can stand wherever you okay. want to. I'll let you go. <laughs> All right, I'm going to tell you a little bit of my story uh, tonight. This is not a teaching. This is my story. This is what happened to me. And so uh, I wrote it down specifically because I didn't want to miss anything. So would you mind if I just read it from what I wrote, like I was reading to you from my journal of my life? I was raised a pastor's kid, or you may want to say a Pharisee. Pharisee isn't a bad word. They were ministers. I was raised a Pharisee. I was harder on myself than anyone else could ever be. I've been taught right and wrong since I could exercise my own will, which we all know happens within the first weeks of life. As the firstborn in my family, I continued to grow up expecting much of my life, my surroundings, and much of my own abilities. Falling short, making mistakes, or being wrong about something was difficult to navigate. Because the bottom line was this, I should know better, do better, and be better. Entering marriage at 18 and two tiny baby girls later, I was 22 years old. While living the daily life of a mother to two toddlers and learning how to be a new wife, I began to see that it didn't matter how much I tried or how much I knew better, I was still very deeply dissatisfied with myself. I was unhappy. I was frustrated, even shame-filled. As a Christian, as a believer, the eyes I viewed myself with were the same eyes I viewed others with. So not only did I live in this private, internal angst environment, I created the same environment wherever I went. Pastor Kimberly Dearman became a mentor to me when I was 27 years old. Over the following four years, I would travel with her on some of her trips, make numerous phone calls to her, and road trip down to her house for a few days at a time. Her genuine welcome of me into her life tripped me out and opened my heart to receive from the real Jesus what I needed. She continued over the months to pour words of love over my life and my heart. I remember at one point crying for weeks 
because her words of love were changing the perspective I had of myself. I also remember having to deliberately make a mental decision to trust that what she was saying, she really meant it. It had, I had always read between the lines when it came to people, and I never trusted their intentions. She was teaching me a new way of interpreting life through the eyes and words of love. I remember one time confessing to her the thing I had never told anyone. I deeply, deeply hated myself. And I remember from a small child saying these words over and over. I knew the Bible said when we confess our sins to one another, we are healed. So when I had at last truly trusted her, I gathered all the courage I could find. I was more afraid to stay bound than I was to be exposed and set free. The moment the confession left my lips, I was terrified. (laughs) Shame rushed in, and I felt like crawling into somewhere nobody could find me. Then she looked directly at me and said, Well, that's a lie. I love you. God loves you. You are deeply loved. And then she kept walking, as if to say, Next? Those words broke like waves over my soul, and I remember thinking, If it is true that I am actually okay, And that I am really, truly loved. Well, that changes everything. Mm -hmm. She wasn't afraid of my sin, my shortcomings, or my lack. In fact, she seemed not to really notice them at all. But just continued to encourage and love me. This is what it was to be loved. To know love, to give love, and to speak love. I was learning a new way. And I remember I just couldn't get enough of it. Her words over my life changed me internally in the way that I saw myself and then began to change the way I saw my husband, the way I saw my family, the way I saw God looking at me, how he saw me. And everything changed from that point forward. And so that's my story. And... uh So, here we are, a young married couple, and she's experiencing this. And I remember you would wake up at night, and those words would come out of your mouth about yourself. I hate myself. You're so stupid. And here's the deal. As a young man, I'm a minister. I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I tell people about God's love. I didn't know how to minister to you. I didn't know how to love you. I didn't know how to speak the right words. I didn't know what to say. And uh, and I'm sorry for that, especially when I hear that story. Now, your life was absolutely transformed because somebody came and loved you and spoke words. And they weren't just positive words, Mm -hmm. but there's an impartation Mm -hmm. from the Holy Spirit that's transferred when we, out of the divine nature, express that to people through words. It releases power to change. Yes. That encounter with Kimberly in relationship and the words, uh, 
saved you. Yeah. It definitely saved me. <laughs> and it saved our marriage. It did. Absolutely. I didn't know how to say those words. And I come from a background to where my words would tear her down further. And I, I'm sharing this with you because that's my failure of the past. And this is our victory together. But some of us here probably would relate to this. And the words that you've spoken or have received or even what you've thought about yourself. And the grace of God is towards you. The love of God is towards you. To receive that and to be made new and to be restored. And the, the patience of God is with you to teach you and to walk you through and how to do that exact same thing. I love you, yeah, and I'm so you. thankful. I'm so thankful that, that you know you're loved, mm -hmm. and you yeah. love me that yeah. same way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So when I, when I uh, think about some of the most powerful words that can be said, words that express love, um, some, some words are... As simple as, I am sorry. That expresses love. It takes responsibility for what you've done, maybe. And so now that person doesn't have to be against you. Another thing is, will you please forgive me? Those are words of love. Because it's, it's causing us to not divide, but pull us together. I forgive you. Those words are words of love that do so much in the heart. God says that to us. I forgive you. That's how he expresses his love. Scripture says harsh words drive people away, but words of love draw people. I want to wrap up in just a minute here. Uh, Listen to what God says about words of love in marriage in Ephesians chapter 5. He said, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. How does he sanctify and cleanse his church? The washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Words of love, they can wash away the spots in our life, and our hearts, the blemishes, the wrinkles. The words that you speak about your spouse, the things about your spouse that make them so unenjoyable to live with, by the way, were probably caused by words, but they can be healed through words. The thing that about your family that's so difficult to deal with was probably caused by words, but it can start to be healed by words. The thing about yourself that you think is so, so troublesome to you, probably caused by words, but it can be healed by words. Words, using your words in alignment with that scripture I just read makes you like a Photoshop illustrator. You know those girls in the magazines? You ever see them not in the magazine? You get them on the cover of the magazine, every spot, every blemish, every wrinkle. Let's just make that 
disappear. That's what your words do in somebody's life. It starts to get rid of those spots and wrinkles. That's what God's word does with us. The Apostle Paul said this in Ephesians 4.15, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Speak the truth, but do it in love. This is a major Facebook failure. This is where I said the church is really guilty, especially over this last season, but just people in general. We want to speak the truth, and we want to say what we want to say, and we want to stand for what's right. And even if it is the truth, we've got to step back and say, but is it in love? Is this in love? Is the motivation behind this to love people? Not just to tell them the truth. Jesus said, I have many things to say to you, but you're not ready to handle it. <laughs> so out of his love, he said, I'm going to hold off on some stuff, right? It's so easy to want to just tell somebody how it is or post how it is. But we have the divine nature on the inside, don't we? And we should respond different. You can still speak the truth in love. And that doesn't mean I'm going to tell you the truth and say, but I love you. It's really a care and a concern on who's my audience? Who might read this that I don't know that is reading it? By the way, I never post hardly anything unless it's a dumb joke or a funny picture like once or twice a year, right? But I, and I haven't done this, I haven't been reading anyone's stuff for like four months, but there's seasons where I'll, I'll, I'll just check out Facebook and read stuff. And no one ever knows I look at their stuff. And I have no idea who looks at my stuff. And I'm always cautious. What does the unbeliever think about the way I'm portraying Christ? What does somebody who's of a different background think, who's maybe even part of the body of Christ? What does somebody who is, is weak what would their response be? See, your words of love aren't just spoken face-to-face. -face. Words are typed, they're written, they're expressed, they're waved on the highway. <laughs> Come on. It's not always what you say, but how you say it. Proverbs 16, 21 says, sweetness of the lips increases learning. Sweetness of the lips, not harshness. Um, Proverbs 31 says about the virtuous woman, it says, when she speaks, she has something worthwhile to say, and she always says it kindly. And listen to this from Proverbs 19.22 about a man. What is desired in a man is kindness. Or the Living Bible says, kindness makes a man attractive. Or the PD, Pastor, version, uh, Pastor Daniel version says, stop being a jerk face, <laughs> right? With your words. Kindness. The words. I wonder if there's anyone here who would say, uh, I need to speak some words of love, and I want God to help me with my tongue and my heart. I wonder if there's anyone here who would say, I need some healing from words that have been spoken. Anybody who would be honest and say that? I need that. You know, my self-image was deeply affected by how people spoke of me when I'm growing up. And I agreed with some, I disagreed with others, and I became me. So much of that, God's had to speak more words of love to correct. But I need, I need God just to restore to me. I need his words of love. Just speak over me, God. 
tell me what you really think about me. James 1.19 says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to become angry. What's he's telling us? God is love. He expresses love through his son. His son is his word, his expression. Everything he has to say is summed up in Jesus. You have that same nature on the inside of you. You can impart grace to others. You've received it. And here's some instruction on let the law of kindness be the law you abide by. Because when you speak words of love, the very nature of God supernaturally, this can't be explained in the natural. Can't explain what happened in the natural. Wasn't just positive speaking and someone being encouraging. Something spiritual took place on the inside from one person to another when words came out that were um, motivated, birthed by a love, a genuine love from God and for Julia. Uh, Let's bow our heads and just say, God, we receive that right now. Lord, we receive that right now. Say it, Lord, I receive your love right now. I'm a partaker of the divine nature. I'm a partaker of your love. I receive your words of love spoken over me. God, I pray for healing in each and every person right now. In the name of Jesus, I minister the forgiveness of God, the mercy of God, the love of God. You're not worthless. You're not the cause of your family's problems. You're not the cause of every bad thing that's happened in somebody else's life. You are loved and you are chosen by God, each and every one of you. And the words that you have spoken that have been harsh towards others, just simply say, Lord, I ask you to forgive me right now. Forgive me for speaking words that are hard and that have torn others apart. Tell them, Lord, I choose to speak words of life and words of love. And I pray that you would do something powerful in me and through me. Maybe spouses even tonight that you you might have heard some things and you said, well, Pastor Daniel was a jerk face and he got it and is getting it right. I can too. And maybe even with your spouse or maybe with your kids or maybe a friend or family member, you just need to call them up and with a sincere love for them, begin to talk. I'm sorry. I love you. You mean everything to me. Because that's how Jesus, he says that about you. You mean everything to me. Lord, we love you. and We receive everything that you're doing tonight, even beyond the words I speak. In your precious name. 